0: For me, at the time, I only thought of it in terms of two options. I could continue to grieve and and wallow and feel sorry for myself and depend on everybody. Or I could get up, dust myself off, and figure it out.
1: Welcome to That's A Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries.
2: To help you become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago. And
1: I'm Sarah Saunders. For those of you returning, welcome back. We're humbled and happy you've decided to continue on this journey with us. For those of you who are
2: new, welcome, and thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you here. Feel free to jump in with this episode, but be sure to go back and listen to our first episode to learn why we're here.
1: Quick reminder, while Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. With that said, let's get started. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to lead you through a little thought experiment. Close your eyes. Now imagine that it's just an ordinary Tuesday and you're about to wake up. But when you open your eyes, you realize you're completely blind. Like out of the blue, no warning, all you see
0: is darkness. What would you do? How would you feel? How would you rebuild your life in spite of your new reality?
1: Well, that's exactly what happened to our guest Jennifer Stringer back in 2014. When it happened, Jen was a professional graphic designer for almost 25 years. In her early years, she attended Cleveland State University on an art scholarship, and her student work in drawing and printmaking was recognized when she was named an artist to watch by the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Now in her 40s, she was a single working mom, the sole breadwinner of her family, and suddenly her livelihood was gone. It turned out her blindness was caused by a rare reaction to a medication. When it first happened, she lost all of her vision. Since then, about 20% of it has come back, though she's still legally blind and can't see most colors. Now, I know Jen because we go back all the way to high school. (laughs) We weren't best friends back then. We were friendly classmates in homeroom together for four years, and we both majored in art. So we were both, you know, the art nerds in the art building at LHS a lot of the time. Go Rangers! Um, We connected in 2017 at our high school reunion and have become very close friends since then. And now, now Jennifer's found a way to be creative while supporting herself with a new business that is thriving. The reason I invited her to talk with us today isn't only because she's an extraordinarily strong woman who found a way to overcome adversity, though that alone is inspiring and motivating, it's also because since landing in her new reality, she had to grow as a person and persevere by developing strength and courage she didn't know she had, sometimes setting some pretty painful boundaries in order to protect herself in the process. But I'll let her tell you that story. Please welcome. My very dear friend, Jennifer Stringer. Sorry, Jen. <laughs> such a sad. It's okay. <laughs> Hi, Heather. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Now she's gonna make fun of me later and I'm
0: just trying to, to make it so that I don't cry. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank you. So anyway, welcome. I'm so glad you could you could join us. Well gosh, now I have to grab my tissues. Welcome, Jen. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited. uh well, thanks. Um so so let's start with uh the, the big event that I mentioned in the intro, the day you woke up blind. Can you can you walk us through what
0: happened? Oh my gosh. Um so yeah, it was uh it was 2014. Um the day before I was uh driving around carpooling, my son was in a basketball tournament. Uh I was screaming my head off at, at a championship game uh went to bed and and literally woke up and see uh it was um it was frightening to say the least um I, i i can't say like i didn't wake up completely completely blind at first i woke up and uh i went downstairs to make my coffee like i normally would and then uh I was looking out the back window, and I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm just not. Something's wrong. I, I'm not seeing well. Where are my glasses? And I'm like, oh, there's a pair. And I went clunk. I'm like, oh. You mean you went to put them on and and you hit yourself, or oh, you already had? I already had a pair on. Oh. And then it just rapidly progressed. From that moment, I I, I called. My aunt, because obviously I, I can't, couldn't drive myself to the emergency room. Um, my son was sleeping upstairs. Um, my aunt came rushing over, and I am so blessed to have her because she has helped me so much. And uh, gradually, as they they were trying to figure out what happened and what was going on, um, my vision went to complete blackness. I saw nothing, and that was in in, in hours.
1: Okay, so that's that's almost even scarier. I I don't know why I thought you woke up and it was black, but like, so you start you start out with some vision, then as you realize something was wrong, it started getting worse and worse, moment by moment.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I, I started off and my vision was definitely off, but you know when you wake up, you're not really thinking, and I automatically put my put glasses on. But when I got downstairs, I'm like, oh, I must not have put them on because I, you know, I was already blind to begin with. Jokingly, yeah, not yeah. really, but. Yeah. Um, But when I went to go put the the second pair of glasses on the glasses I was already wearing, (laughs) I was like, oh, Oh no, this isn't good. Uh, Yeah. And then, like I said, it just rapidly progressed um, from that point uh, to where I I literally I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Yeah, it was scary. Can I just
2: ask, like, what thoughts were going through your head in those moments?
0: how am I gonna feed my son? What am I gonna do? What is happening to me?
1: You and I have talked it. Yeah, you said you, you thought you were having a stroke or
0: something. Yeah, well I didn't I didn't know. I mean, I didn't really think that I had a stroke. Um because usually you hear about stroke um victims and they have some sort of paralysis or some sort of numbness on one side of their body, or their other. I was completely one hundred percent mobile. I just couldn't see. Um, I was also really confused. Mm. And as it progressed, the more it progressed, the more confused I got. I knew I was in real trouble when I was in the emergency room and they came in and asked me who the president was. And I didn't know.
3: Mm.
0: I looked at my aunt and I'm like, this Mm. isn't good, is it? (laughs) Yeah. And that that uh, began my nine day journey in the neuro ICU, and I had every test imaginable. I think I had six or seven MRIs. Yikes! Of my head. Wow. Um, two spinal taps. Uh, the thing where they scope for the heart thing. One of those. I think. I mean, pretty much every test you can think of, I had. Um, and I was there for, for nine days and when they, they released me, um, I got home and they didn't provide me any care for when I got home. Wow. Right. So now what? Um, I was sent home. Uh, thank God I have a I had a lot of really good, good friends. Um, they came over, they made sure my, my home was safe for me. Um I had uh, friends that they started a meal plan uh they banded uh, all my friends together because I couldn't cook. I couldn't see what I was doing um plus I, I still had my my son who was thirteen at the time uh he had to grow up really fast because i there were a lot of things I couldn't do um but my friends really came through for me uh they barricaded the basement steps because they were afraid that that I would forget where they are and just step and fall out <laughs> of um it was it was very
1: hard i remember you telling me people put like super bright light bulbs up in your house and they did fixed your shower your shower door and yeah shower door they
0: put a grab bar taught your son how to do laundry <laughs> yeah 13 years old crash course here by the way you're doing the laundry for the whole family because mom can't
2: I just cannot wrap my head around, Jennifer, the fact that you went through this nine days of literally your world being flipped upside down, and then they sent you home and just said, okay, like, go live this new life of not being able to see. Like, as a mental health professional, I am like, right? I just, I can't even... the. No, like recommendations to seek therapy, to, you know, go through process, this trauma and, you know, support that you need. Like,
0: wow. There was, yeah, there was, there was absolutely um, no counseling offered to me. um, Right when I got out um a lot of the, the the services and the things that that I found I found from family members researching and looking stuff up my dad really uh looked up a lot of stuff um training with with my cane that I received later I had to find that myself um there wasn't any like one touch point for person that would help me navigate all these things like even mine I'm blind. I right. can't go on a computer and look stuff up. I can't look at my phone to find phone numbers for these places. Um, I had to have, I had to go get a new phone. I couldn't use my Android phone. I couldn't call people. I had to go and get an iPhone because it had that, at the time, it had that center button that I could press by touch to call people and tell, to, tell Siri to call people. Um, and a lot <laughs> actually funny part about that when we were setting that, that phone up uh, my brother was helping me and my dad had two numbers at the time so we programmed in you know his two numbers and we went to test me calling for the first time and I said call dad and Siri so came back on she said I'm sorry I don't know who your father is <laughs> <laughs> It happened, you know, you still gotta hold on to your uh your sense of humor. Yeah. Uh even in the hospital, I, I held my sense of humor. Like I, they did have therapists that came to me in the, the course of nine days that came and uh they wanted to find out where I was cognitively because not only was my vision affected, uh it was uh, a large lesion that formed on my visual cortex that caused this. Uh, but there was also another lesion on a, a part of my brain that uh, affected speech, uh, cognitive thinking, like numbers, spelling. Um, so I, I struggled to remember things. Or connect words. Connect words, yeah. And uh, so they they would send a therapist and she'd ask me questions every day. Around the same time. But I couldn't figure out why. The the staff, hospital staff, the nurses, the the aides, they all congregate right outside my room. And I finally asked them, I said, well, why, why are you always right outside my room when the therapist comes? And they said, well, tell her because it's entertaining. We never know how you're going to answer her question.
1: Yeah, alert. She's a smart
0: ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for example, like the therapist one day, she she asked me, she said, what's bigger, a horse or a dog? I said, well, I don't know. Are we talking pin ponies <laughs> and great gains or Clyde's and of There's <laughs> a huge variable there. So every time she came in, I was bored because I was there for nine days. Uh, a creative person, when you're bored, you entertain yourself. And unfortunately for my therapist, she was my source of entertainment. So I would creatively answer her questions correctly, but not the way she wanted me to. That's kind of a form of mental
1: toughness too, isn't it? Just to find humor in the situation, I think. I, I don't, I don't know. Sarah? Sarah?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those, you know, coping skills, you know, for you to have. I just am finding it fascinating as I'm hearing you share this is that you had a therapist there that was kind of cognitively, you know, checking in with you. But like, emotionally, there was nobody there checking in with you, processing through the emotional trauma that you were going through.
0: Um. Right. Oh, I, yeah. I yeah. mean, go ahead. Paula. I'm sorry right. to interrupt you, Jen. But since I've
1: known you, I mean, I it's you've been kind of on your own. You I mean it's been you and a sort of a, this tribe of friends and a couple key family members. Absolutely. And and she's just been doing this on her own. And I I mean I don't know if that's because, I mean I don't know. I, I just it does seem like a gap. I guess I never thought about it, Sarah, until you pointed that out. Like,
2: Well, and before I went to grad school, I actually um, at Metro Health, I it, in Cleveland, Ohio, I was on um, one of the units doing it's a lot of trauma there. And I did art therapy there. So I had a little art cart and people that did, you know, have um whether it was a serious you know, car accident, they had a stroke, um, there were vision impairment, and we would just go and we would sit with them and we would do different types of art-related interventions with them to just allow them to kind of, in a nonverbal way, be able to process through what they were going through.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't have um, any of that. Uh actually when I was in the uh near ICU, they didn't even I, I don't I can't say they they'd never had anyone that just suddenly lost their vision and they couldn't have. I mean, it was a hospital. But even the meals, they would give me a paper menu and I'm like, I can't read this. So finally the the I can't remember his name, but he was uh with the dietary department, but he was just delivering the trays. And he sat down and he said, "Um," he announced what it was and whatever it was, it's like I wrinkled my nose or whatever to it. And he goes, are they helping you pick out what you want to eat? And I'm like, no. He said, because I noticed that your menu that we drop off is never filled out. And I said, well, to be honest, I'm blind and I can't, didn't even know the piece of paper uh, that being handed was a menu. So he made a point every day uh, when he got to work, he came in early. He came up to my room and filled it out for me. Wow. Read it to me and filled it out. Um, it's just small acts of kindness from even perfect strangers. But I really did have a good circle of friends that surrounded me and helped me. And, and my son, who was a, a little trooper as well. Well, not so little. He was bigger <laughs> than me. <laughs> He's 13. a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think at 13, he was uh, almost uh, 200 pounds. But he was almost six feet tall, too. He was a lineman.
2: As you're sharing this, though, I can't help my eyes are just like, filling up with tears, because it's really making me think about like, the things you take for granted in regards to vision, like you, you know, circling back when you were talking about your Android phone and just the accessibility, but you need your eyes to be able to do these things like, for that to just be gone, literally, like, in the blink of an eye, like, I cannot even imagine what that was like for
0: you. Yeah. I um, also had to memorize my clothes, my touch. Uh, colors were the hardest thing for me. Uh, sometimes I, I uh, was wearing some creative things. Uh, and my brother made sure to have <laughs> fun at that. Uh, he'd pick me up and he'd say, nice purple shirt and green pants. And I'd say, nice try, jerk. I don't own a pair of green <laughs> pants. My, my family, you got to understand, we are, they're at, as sarcastic as I am.
1: Can I tell her the the story with your aunt uh, taking you to, it's the best, makes me laugh. Oh, so. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'll just, I'll tee it off. So it was shortly after you were in the hospital and she was being, as she is super helpful and wonderful and took you to drug mart or something and was going around and she said, Hey, look, I got this for you. It's so helpful. This will help you now.
0: Let's tell you go ahead and tell them what it was. Okay. So it was, it was actually the day that I was brought home to went to drug mart to uh, get my prescription. Cause as you know, when you leave the hospital, no matter what happens, you come home with like a pharmacy that you have to take. Um, so she brought home a pill organizer from Drug Mart, and she said, well, you can't see right now, so I made sure I picked one out with the bumps on it so you would know what day if they were. I said, yeah, Aunt because, poof, I'm blind, <laughs> so I instantly know how to read <laughs> real.
3: <laughs> she looked at me she <laughs> started all started laughing she was like... <laughs> the
0: mother the next day she took me grocery shopping because I couldn't grocery shop either I I needed someone to help me because I couldn't there's no way I could I can't see anything on the shelf so I said I, I need paper towels because I was still I was not going to last a lot of stuff over I needed you know paper towels She's like, well, do you want the white ones or the ones with the flowers on them? And I just I kind of looked at her. And she looked at me. And she goes, first, so,
3: <laughs> <really laughs> so it wasn't just she you that had to, had to adjust. Everyone around you so had just- to
0: adjust to the idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 Everyone did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the hardest, hardest one that had to adjust around me was my son. Um we used to do a lot of things together. Um, we used to do movie night. Uh, I would, uh, we'd go to a movie uh, once a month and do the whole thing, the popcorn, the candy, the, everything. That was uh, our date night. Couldn't do that anymore. But we also, like every weekend, we would have like a movie night. I would get videos. Well, I couldn't drive to go get the videos anymore because then it, the Redbox was popular. Um, I couldn't do that. Uh, so I also couldn't watch him with my son. Uh, he had to learn how to do the laundry, as I said earlier, but he also had to learn how to cook and help me because he had to be my eyes. I, I, I couldn't, um, a lot of things with cooking, you have to be able to see like, uh, cooking bacon. (laughs) If you can't see, that's still hard for me. I still can't cook bacon. It's either burnt or not done enough. Yeah. It's just a given in my house. So, but oddly enough, I can still bake, which is weird.
1: Well, as you were talking about, about Keegan, um, you know, all those things that seem so rough for him, it's going to make him such a strong young man and able to take care of himself. So, you know, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I just wish that, uh, You know, he didn't have to grow up like overnight, you know, I mean, all these things that that he had to learn overnight were things that I was planning on slowly teaching him. But instantly, you got to know this like now.
2: Jen, I have to ask, like, especially because you are such a creative person, I'm just like I'm just looking around right now in the room that I'm in. And like, I'm seeing the vibrant colors and I'm taking in my surroundings. And like, as a creative person, for that to just go like, dark, like, I am just so curious about what, what it was like inside of your mind, like what you were seeing.
0: You mean now or then
2: both like i'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around all of this for for being able to see at one point in your life and having such a creative mind when you're visually looking at things and then for that to just all of a sudden i'm i'm just my mind is blown right now
0: yeah i um Initially, as I stated earlier, I saw absolutely nothing. But gradually, as time progressed, I started regaining a little bit of my vision. Um, Now, when I say regaining a little bit of my vision, I'm not saying that I can see clearly by any stretch of the mean at all. I see uh, shapes and shadows. I see, uh, everything I see, even right in front of my face is blurry, even corrected is blurry. Um, the only color that I can readily almost always identify is like a really brilliant blue, like a cobalt blue. Other than that, all the other colors, I, I, I can guess at what color they are, but it would be. It's not like I look at something and say, oh, that's red or, oh, that's yellow. I, um, it's more of a guess. It's like, I think it might be red, but it could be orange or, or maybe pink. I don't know. Uh, pastels all look like white to me. Even gray is white. Um, dark colors like, uh, purple and, um, uh, navy blue hunter green, all those dark colors all look like black. Um, basically, it's just, everything's just extremely, extremely blurry. And, the, and initially, when, the, when I started recovering my vision, it was really weird. Um, I would look out, like say I'm looking across the street. Things wouldn't get blurry further away, they would just disappear into what I refer to at the time is like this fog, it would just go into white. It was white. Yeah, it was really, really weird.
2: So how have you coped with all of that? Again, going from, and I'm just saying, like, you know, going from like 2020 vision, where you're seeing things clearly, and then all of a sudden, you're seeing shapes and shadows and extremely limited colors like how did you mentally
0: process and cope with that um it took it took some time uh I went through uh a lot of grieving uh, a lot of poor me anger uh and that went on uh I don't know probably like like five months. Um, I also had to go like after the nine days, I was home for a week and then I had to go downtown to the main campus for five more days for more testing. Um, It was, uh, I'd break down in tears. Uh, Didn't really know what I was going to do. uh, losing your job, what you went to school for, uh, everything you knew, everything you knew how to support yourself was gone in overnight. It, you know, it took me a while to process and to. Um, I had to grieve it. It was a loss, huge. Um, but after about five months, I said, "You know." I I kind of I had this epiphany. I said, "Well, this is like kind of stupid, you know. This is a permanent condition. It's it's not going to get any better. It may get a little better, but it's it's permanent." Um. So I need to come to terms to it with it, and I I need to accept it. Um, for me, at the time, I only thought of it in terms of two options. I could continue to grieve and, and wallow and feel sorry for myself and depend on everybody. Or I could get up, dust myself off, and figure it out. I, I had uh, my son who was depending on me. I was depending on me and I did not want to be dependent on people to do things for me forever. I was a very independent person before all this happened. So I needed, I made a choice and, and, and decided that I was going to do what I could to figure out a new way of doing things. Cause I had to, I did, I, I looked at it this way. I didn't have a choice. Um, Laying around and doing nothing and, and, oh, this is my life now and just laying there just for me was not an
3: option.
2: So what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, life handed me this, not at all what I pictured, but here I am. And I made the decision that I wanted to continue living I knew that this was going to be my new normal and I needed to pull up my bootstraps and figure out how can I live the best version of me with this new condition.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly how I felt.
2: And listeners, like, I wish that you could see what I'm seeing because I am looking at two Extremely brave and resilient women in front of me, and Heather, I'm curious as <laughs> Jennifer <make> me cry. <laughs> well, and as Jennifer's sharing because I haven't been through what you guys have been through and and to you guys, it might be, and I'm air quoting like you're normal, but It is so inspiring. And I'm curious, Heather, for you, as Jennifer was sharing, like she had to go into another appointment and she had to get more tests done. Like when you were going through your cancer journey. Could you relate to what she was saying in regards to I had to I didn't know what was going to happen. I had to go and get more
1: tests done. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, you know that that old quote that I bring up all the time when you're going through hell, keep going. It was it was I made a choice, you know, early on that I was just going to do what I had to do to get through it. Um and you just Yeah, you have your moments when you crumble a little bit, but you know, that crumbling for very long doesn't get you anywhere. So, you know, you just have to keep going. And, and, you know, I kind of surround myself with strong people, Jen being one of them. And she's one of the first people I, I told that I had cancer and she was supporting me the whole way. So, you know, you find your supports where you can and you, and you keep going. And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't close with Jen then. I didn't really know her that well. We hadn't reconnected at that point. And so I'm just grateful she had people in her life, uh, you know, her aunt in particular, her dad, her brother, that really helped her. Um, some very good friends of ours. Um, you know, I think. You know, we haven't gotten to this next part of the story, which I love, um, in, in that she used her creativity to kind of refine herself, and and that's part of what I love about this story. She found strength in kind of going inward and and finding that creative juice again, and so. Um Jen, I, I love when you talked about with me about how you had tried going back to what you had done before in your new reality and it didn't work and it was so frustrating. And so then you, you tried to find something new. So why don't you tell us about that?
0: Yes, I went to school on a scholarship for uh, art, for drawing. So I knew I needed a creative outlet. I needed a release. And I knew art was the way to do it because that's what always worked for me in the past. So I tried drawing. Um, and I I hated it because I couldn't draw how I did before and I knew it. And uh, it was very frustrating for me. Um, Another thing to grieve. I also had uh, like, and I, I was posting like drugs that I that I would do on Facebook because I was kind of like, "Hey, I'm trying," you know. Um, I had a, one of my college professors was on my my uh, page, and he was giving me, you know, i will try doing this, try doing that." But then I also, as I was posting pictures, um, I was getting a lot of backlash from people of uh, accusing me of of lying about being blind um there's no way you could be blind if you're drawing like that and
3: wait a second
0: i like i have to pause like
2: can you help my brain understand this because i i am so angry right now hearing that (laughs) number one like hold me back But so you were truly getting negative comments and feedback from people trying to say that you were making up what had happened.
0: Um, They weren't saying that I made up what happened. They were saying that I could see and that my vision was back. And there's no way that if they can only draw a stick picture there's no way that I could draw what I drew Well what I drew was nowhere near I mean I had a scholarship for drawing it was nowhere even close to how I drew before
1: yeah and what people don't know as an artist you're trained you know I went to art school so I'm in the same you know sphere is Jen you're trained so there's muscle memory so right. part part of what she was doing was just her body knew what to do so it wasn't based on what she was looking at it was just her inner creativity coming out
0: anyway sorry to interrupt right no this, you're absolutely correct um the one, one thing that I drew I drew this giant eye <laughs> I think it was, it was, a, uh, I was trying to draw uh, a gorilla's eye. It was, everything was black. But I drew it on like this big, huge three foot piece of paper and all I could get on it, it was, the eye was so big, it felt that whole thing. So it was huge. So when I took a picture of it and I posted it, I mean, I even still, I'm like, hey, you know, that's actually pretty good for stuff you can to see. But it, again, it was nowhere near what I normally would be able to do.
2: Was there a reason that you chose an eye as your drawing? I don't
0: know. I mean, I was kind of focused on them for a bit. I don't know if that was subconsciously because of what happened that I was focusing on. I don't know. Um Or maybe it was I drew those because I know what they look like so well that I didn't have... I I could draw it without looking at something, if that makes sense. Do you you understand what I mean, Heather? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. so Yeah. That's something you practice over and over. Exactly. In your training. And it's also
2: cathartic. It's part of your story, what you've gone through. And to be able to make something that massive, that size...
3: And doing that artistically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But um because of all the backlash that I received, well, not all the backlash, it was only like a couple of people sure. that were criticizing, but that's enough. I here I am like trying to get some semblance of normalcy. And I'm actually proud of what I'm trying to do, and then I have to get backlash for it. Um and I'm kind of ashamed of myself for this, but I have never drawn another thing since then because of that. Um, Instead, I decided uh, I'm going to focus and try to find something creatively that I can do that I've never done before so that I can't compare it to how I was before. I have no benchmark or parameter of, of how I was. So anything that I do, Is new. I thought of pottery. That would have been fun. I couldn't get a kill in my house, so that was out. Um, But then I started dabbling. I I remembered uh, wire. Uh, I loved working with wire. I worked with wire when I was nine. I actually made my father a bicycle completely out of wire. For uh, I think it was either his birthday or father. I think it was Father's Day. But I was nine years old. But unfortunately, my mother did not appreciate it because um, I got the wire by taking apart her hair dryer. <laughs>
1: I did not know yeah. that.
0: She she was not happy. But um, I still have. Don't try this at home. <laughs> you know, if kids don't do this, your mom will be mad if, if you dismantle hair hairdryer like I did. But um, it rekindled. I, I just... I don't know what it is. It's like a tactile sense. It's the way the wire feels in my hand. And then I I had a jar of beach glass and I just sat on my porch. It was summer at this point. And um, I sat on my porch for hours and just played with the wire and the beach glass and just wrapping it. And I spent the whole summer doing that. Uh, eventually, I ended up with like a hundred
3: necklaces pendence, and uh my dad said you know
0: you ought to try selling all those uh, and, uh another friend of mine suggested a craft show so I did that and uh was completely shocked that I almost completely sold out of every, everything that I had in that first show in that first show yeah um and then the money that that I I got from Mitchell, my dad's like, oh, he goes. You really need to buy gemstones and do this with gemstones. So of course, you know, the first stone I bought was Heather. Do you know what it was? Amethyst.
3: Of course.
1: <laughs> so I bought She's more amethyst than <laughs> than anybody I've ever seen.
3: <laughs> I love amethyst. It's my birthstone.
0: <laughs> but anyway. um... I used the money to buy uh, some better materials and some real gemstones, and I really started, uh, really working it. At that point, at that point, um, I set up a table upstairs because it was getting colder, with bright lights, um, and started doing more shows. Uh, what really was a turning point for me was, like I said earlier. Services, there wasn't one uh, center point of services. Someone to say, you, This is eligible for you, or Here, go here, or they'll help you with this. I heard from, I think it was my dad, uh, Ohio is a disabilities And they actually, now mind you, this, I went blind in March. This was uh, September, October. The next year, March, again, year. I went to see Ohio's with Disabilities, and they set me up with that big uh, monitor with a camera on it that I could put on my table. And it most, it, most people use it for uh, blowing up what they're reading so that they can read a book. Well, I can't read. Even with that thing, I can't read a book. But what it did enable me to do um, was I could blow up my jewelry like 2,400%.
1: Yeah. So let me take a minute and describe this for our listeners. So the setup Jen has, she has this workbench, and then there's um, this little rig with a video camera that points downward towards her table. And then she holds her jewelry in her hand underneath the camera and then right in front of her is a giant tv and so she's not looking down she's looking at the television and so she's mostly feeling doing this by touch but she's watching on the screen and she has some very bright lights as well that shine down to help her so that's been a huge help right that's amazing then we have i have pictures of this and i'll post that on our social media so people can see
0: for the most part, a lot of my jewelry is, like Heather said, I do it by touch. My sense of touch and feel. But again, as I stated earlier, I can't see uh, color. So I needed uh, my friends and family uh, to tell me what color things were. So that I could they could write it really big. Like for uh, amethyst, like looking at it, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between amethyst or a garnet. Can't see the colors. Didn't know. So I needed friends and family to label all these for me, big enough so that I could kind of I can tell what what it is.
2: So this this theme that I keep hearing over and over is that your friends and family have been
1: your eyes through all of this. Yes. There's also a really cool app that Jen uses. We should mention that really quick. And she was actually featured
0: by this company uh, internationally. I was, uh, yeah. My cousin, um, Amanda, called me. She said, hey, I just saw this ad for this new app. You should check it out. I think it might help you. And the app was called Be My Eyes. And what it is, is, uh, you would, you would install on your phone and you press and it, it connects to the first. It's all running the volunteers. Okay. So I would place a call and it would use my camera on my phone, pointed to whatever I needed help seeing. Person would answer and I, I could ask them, okay, um, what's the expiration date on this bottle of milk? And I'd have a person in real time looking through my camera, seeing what I can't, to tell me
3: Wow,
0: what it says. But I I used it for that, but that's not what I use the app for. I use the app when I'm trying to match stones up or a pair of earrings. I'll lay a bunch of them out on a white sheet of paper and I'll call. And, and I'll say, you know, Hey, I'm I'm trying to make a pair of earrings and I can't see. Can you help me match up to that? Would work for a pair of earrings. So it was actually kind of funny. I once, and and you, you never know who you're going to talk to with this app. It's wonderful. I've talked to people all over the world. It's fantastic.
2: I'm sure the person on the other end just loves. Like I can't even imagine if they're used to the expiration date type thing, right. and then having this woman call this wonderful woman and
1: being like, "Can you help me? I'm making jewelry. Like, can you help me pick out colors?"
0: <laughs> I love right. it. You're the you're the fun client to get. I I actually got um a couple in France, and uh, the he was uh, talking to me. he goes well. He said, I really can't help you because I'm colorblind. (laughs) He's like, but my partner can help you. So his partner came up, but he didn't speak any English. He was French. So I had the colorblind (laughs) gentleman in France interpreting for me. And then his partner in French would tell him which ones to match. And it was, it was. It was the <laughs> funniest call I ever had with my eyes. It was it was wonderful.
2: <laughs> what a collaborative effort.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a really, really good app and it helps a lot. I, I've actually used it uh quite a bit. Um I've used it on my computer when I'm trying to do something and you have to prove that you're a human <laughs> and it shows you those pictures. I can't see those. Huh? How am I gonna pick out all the pictures with a car in it? I, I don't know. So I use be my eyes, and they help me. Okay, click on. So you're not the <laughs> robot. Okay, click. <laughs> right, right, yeah, but no, it's it's a wonderful app run uh, completely by volunteers, and all it takes is for someone to sign up for it, and you can help somebody all over the. I mean, from anywhere in the world. I, I really highly recommend uh, if if you have the time, volunteer for it. So
1: Jen, um, let's talk about your jewelry. Let's just talk about how pretty it is and what you make and just like your process of how you make it. And also, before you do that, tell us about the name of your company. I haven't said it yet. I'd like for you to tell us about the name of your business and why you named it that way.
0: The name of my company is iSpire Designs and it's spelled E-Y-E-S-P-I-R-E Designs. I made up that word, uh, I, because I'm blind, and I was combining it with the word aspire because I was trying something new. So I just took those two words and combined them into i But a lot of my friends, after I, I came up with that name, thought that it combined the word inspire instead of aspire. Inspire instead of aspire. Inspire, yes. I'm sorry.
1: What did I say? You said it. I was just reiterating, you know, it's the great host that I
3: am. Interrupting (laughs) you. Okay. Go
0: ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, uh, I combine those two words and uh, graphic designer in me, you know, instantly I have in my head just because I, you know, I can't see anymore. doesn't mean I can, I can't visualize things in my head. So graphic designer, Jen, I'm like, Oh my God, I want to have a spiral. And then the fact that I have spirals on all my jewelry was a happy accident that had nothing to do with my logo, actually. It just kind of works. Yeah, my the the, the spiral and, and the, the just the word iSpire designs took me about seven to eight hours to create that logo when it in reality it should have only taken me five minutes. But the most frustrating part for me was getting I knew I wanted it to be purple. Mm. I couldn't see purple on the screen, but I was bound and determined to do it myself. So I, because I was a graphic artist, uh, did a blend of uh, percentages of CMYK to get to that color. And then I had to like, you know, take a picture of that with my phone and say, ask people, is this purple?
1: It's like that commercial. Is it purple or is
0: it purple? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, Well, yeah, as, as far as uh, creating my jewelry, uh, what's your process? Uh, my process is uh, I get inspired by stone. I love all different kinds of uh, gemstones.
2: Yeah. Where did that come from?
0: As a little girl. Uh, my grandparents had a house of vermilion right on, on the lake. And I would spend summers out there, and when the rocks are in the water and they're all wet, you see all those colors. And the artist in me was just, even at that age, I was very artistic, and I was just fascinated by all the colors of the stones. So I would uh, collect them. And I I believe that that's when my love of uh, rocks began. Uh, Now gemstones. I love that. But I, I'm just yeah, you know, I'm just fascinated by them. So each time that
2: you pick these gemstones, like there's it sounds like there's a lot more that goes into it than just picking a color. Like there's a feeling behind it. What is that feeling that you get as you're picking these stones?
0: In the beginning, it was I I would uh pick stones that I thought were pretty in my head. Like I would have people describe them to me. I'm like, Oh, that sounds pretty. But I discovered, you know, that different people had different interpretations of what was beautiful and what's what they liked. And so as time progressed, I started doing more research and what people were interested in. What stones were people gravitating towards? What in I had no idea that people bought crystals and stones because of uh, healing properties. I had no, at this point, I had, so I started learning all about that, which fascinates me. So now a lot of the stones that, that I pick and purchase are, number one, because people uh, have a vast interest in them. And number two, they uh, have healing properties um, and they're beautiful.
3: So this just gives
2: me a whole new perspective because, and listeners, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but um the Etsy shop that you have, I was, when I found out we were talking to you, I immediately went and looked at your jewelry. And now this just gives me such a new perspective that there are so many different Thoughts and feelings and research and collaborative effort from all of these other entities to create that one piece of jewelry, like that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I, d- I discovered early on in this process that my son is not the best person to ask <laughs> about color because I, I I held up something and I said, "Well, what color is this?" And he says, "Green." I said, well, what color of green? He said, Mom, it's just green. I said, well, no. There's all these different shades of green. He goes, Mom, it's just green.
1: She actually told me that story uh, at our reunion, and I was laughing really hard. And then, because I can relate, because, you know, I would paint something, and my husband would say, well, it's very red. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, so <laughs> we commiserated, um, and then I ended up connecting Jen with my daughter Sarah, and Sarah volunteered with her for a couple of years and did a lot of this color stone matching and sorting and photographing and yes. helping at shows. And um, but there's been a lot of people who've helped along the way.
0: Sarah laughing at the mass quantities of amethyst that I have.
1: Yeah, we mock her every time she buys amethyst. Like,
3: enough,
0: <laughs> enough already. Um, Although, I will have to say, I have more coal uh, than I have amethyst.
1: Yes. So, if you go to her store, and we'll get to that later. But she actually makes these lumps of coal earrings. They're they're petrified coal, right?
0: No, it's it's a, a form of coal called anthracite coal. So it's like a. a crystal almost like a crystallized form of coal hard. um
1: yeah they're real pretty i wear them all the time because i wear black all the time but they're they're a nice gag gift at christmas
0: yeah i, I had an epiphany on my porch i think a lot i did a lot of you know creative thinking on my porch that I, I i thought it would be like fantastic to make lumps of coal earrings for the naughty people on your list <laughs> But then it took me like six months to find a place to buy coal that I could use for earrings. And I ended up finding it at a tractor supply store. Giant bag. I couldn't buy like a small one pound bag. No, I had to buy 40 pounds of it. So I have, I think I have probably about 37 pounds left. And I've had it for how many years has it been, Heather? Well, I mean,
1: I've been around what, three, four years. So yeah, we've tripped over it many times. In that time. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to go back and touch on something. So one of the things I really admire about you is your sense of like practicality and your common sense and, and how you don't dwell on things. You kind of like set a course for yourself and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. We're just going to do this thing. Um, But you did face some backlash and you've you've had some people who've kind of had to fall by the wayside as a way of protecting yourself. That was like a pretty difficult boundary for you to set. But you had to you know, you were already challenged with this situation and you had this negativity kind of coming at you
0: at times and you you had to kind of cut those people out. Yes, Heather, I, I, I did. I, um, going through all this and, uh, I received backlash of, of, from people that, uh, didn't believe that I couldn't see. I had one person claim to have seen me driving my SUV. That SUV was, uh, in storage at my aunt's house because I couldn't drive it. So for someone to come out and, and tell everyone that they saw me driving my SUV, and even they even got the color of my SUV wrong. They said it was a completely different color. I couldn't understand why someone would make up these malicious things about me when I'm just trying to um, get through these. And, uh, find my new normal. So I had to, um, say no, I guess that's my hard no. One of them. I said, had to say no to, uh, toxic, hurtful people in my life. I had to say no to letting them hurt me. Yeah. I had to eliminate them from my life. Yeah. And it, they, it was it was difficult, but I I think I'm better for it now. Uh, at times it was hard.
2: Were they receptive to what you were telling them? No. How did you handle that?
0: At first I got really angry. Um, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I couldn't believe that someone didn't wouldn't believe what I was going through. Wouldn't believe that I couldn't see. I mean, I. <laughs> love to drive. What's one of my favorite things to do? Um, a friend of mine that I grew up with, at Motor as SOS, three years old, she came over and she said, you know, Jen, I, I knew that you really, really had uh, um, lost your sight when you couldn't drive anymore. She
3: said, that's what I do. So, I
0: don't know why people say hurtful things, why people did what they did, but it made me stronger having gone through it. Um, At the time, I was very angry, a lot of anger, but I had to release that so I could move forward. But again, like I said, my big heart note was not letting people do that to me anymore.
3: I wish I could just give
1: you the biggest hug through this screen right now. Like, uh. yeah, I'm trying to hold it together here and I'm feeling bad for making you talk about it because I know that you and I have talked about it quite a bit.
0: That's why Uh, I'm here.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your vulnerability while we're talking. I know that Uh. it took up a lot of space in your head when you let it bother you. You know, we did talk about it. Um, and, and I, I feel like since you kind of set that boundary, you've been a lot freer and a lot, um, I don't know, just more into, come into yourself more. I, I don't know how to, the words are escaping me. It's late on a Monday evening, but, <laughs> but you know, you, you seem to have kind of untangled yourself from a lot of nonsense and freed yourself up and, you know, we have less conversations about stuff like that, and more stuff about the future and the great things that are happening. And you know, we're kicking right. ass, girlfriend. Like, right? Like, we,
0: <laughs> we are, and and it's a it's a lovely journey. Um, I'm just lucky that I had a, a sounding board like you, Heather, uh, when I was going through all this. Well,
1: me and other people too, but but yeah, I mean. I'm just, I, I, I feel bad making you bring it up, but I feel like a lot of people can learn from, from your example in that you just kind of hit a point where you're just like, I'm just not going to let you talk to me this way anymore. This I don't deserve this. It's unfounded enough already. And you just kind of turned them off. Right. I, I,
2: I,
0: had, I had to.
1: And so often I, I talk
2: to clients with this. And then also, I mean just everyday people that I have interactions with. It's like, and I've expressed this before in some of, um, you know, my stories that I've done, but it's like that invisible load. And this idea that there are people and there are relationships in our life that they weigh us down. And so when we're able to say that hard no, it is difficult but it's also empowering and it allows us to drop that load and then we feel so much lighter and we're able to go with like a new sense of freedom moving forward
0: absolutely um i didn't think of it like like that when that was happening absolutely sure um But now that I look back on it, I, I, what a negative drain that was on me. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about it, it is just draining. Um, but it was, a it was a hard, hard decision for me to make. And it didn't just happen all at once. It was different things, different people, different times, different, And sometimes it was people that I trusted. So how did
2: you know? Because it didn't happen, kind of like I was saying, like sometimes it does happen in when like one load. But how did you know, like, what was your red flag that you knew? I think this is another, I mean, relationship that needs a, a boundary. I
0: think a big red flag and a boundary was when uh, someone who... who had no real interest in, in finding out what it was like for me day to day, but just formed their own opinions and, and just lied or judged or judged exactly judged. Uh, so saw past you, wasn't seeing you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They didn't see me. Not really. And, uh, it, it was hard, it was hard going through it. Um, and I don't need people in my life that don't see me and, and don't hear me. That was a hard, hard thing to learn. Uh,
2: Can you say that one more time?
3: Ah. Uh, I need people around me who can see me and hear me. You're damn right. (laughs) That's it. Drop mic.
2: (laughs) And and Jen, I can't help it. And Heather, please edit this out if you want. But my heart is just, I can't stop thinking about when you had shared, what had happened to you when you were sharing your eye that you drew for the first time and you were saying that because of the backlash that you had gotten you had made the decision not to draw again and that you were feeling what was the feeling that you had you were feeling ashamed is that what you had said
0: um I'm I'm ashamed that I let someone do that to me to where I stopped doing something that I loved
3: before. And,
2: and I would just encourage you, your feelings are valid. It's okay to feel that way. But girlfriend, you draw. Yeah. We want to see it. This world needs you. And you're amazing gifts and abilities, and how dare other people make that choice for you, you take that
0: back. Thank you. Um, Another uh, stumbling block that that I have come across with all of this um, is that uh, people don't understand what it really means to be legally blind or what's called low vision. There's a lot of assumptions. Uh, people think that that means that you see absolutely nothing. And that if if you could see something, then therefore you're not blind. Uh, I think Heather, Heather described it really beautifully to me once. Do you remember how you described it, Heather? Yeah,
1: so I described... So I have very poor vision myself. I'm not legally blind, but it's, you know, new pair of glass costs $700. It's, it's, it's a hot mess up in these eyes. So, you know, if I were to take my glasses off, I mean, this is, I would not be able to function this way, but this is the best her vision could be corrected. And, you know, if I, if I could not have these glasses, I would not be able to drive. I would not be able to do my job. Um, it's so her, her best corrected vision is equal to my worst vision. And if you just think of that, anyone who has, you know, wears contacts or glasses, just think about that. Like, would you be able to drive your car without your contacts or glasses? Would you be able to pick out groceries in the store and read the labels? It's tough. Um, Yeah. And, and Jen,
2: I'm wondering because I've never had contacts. I've never had glasses. And so this is something that this is very new for me. And I'm wondering, as someone who is legally blind, can you share like what you want other people to know? Like, as someone that doesn't, isn't educated on this, what would be helpful for me to know?
0: Not everyone who is blind has, um, uh, an issue with their eyes. Uh, there's nothing wrong with my eyes. So I, a lot, I hear a lot of people, well, you don't look blind. Um, I also get people, well, you look right at me when you're talking to me. Um, and the reason why I look right at people when, when I'm talking to you is, first of all, it's light. <laughs> yes. Uh, secondly, I lost my vision in my 40s. Like If I don't know where your eyes are on your head as an artist, <laughs> I was a very good artist. <laughs> so I basically generally know where on your head to look to find your eyes. Like when I look at someone's face, it's all it's it's blur. I can kind of make out where your eyes are, but I don't recognize people. If I go into a crowded room, I kind of panic a little because I don't recognize anybody. Um, even some of my family members, like I, I have to, the, the, uh, I have to ask people who they are at the reunion when I ran into Heather. You want to tell them what happened, Heather? Well, oh, that what? Um, yeah you
1: you didn't know who I was at first, and I wasn't sure exactly what was going on with you, and um, so I kind of learned when we spoke, like what was what was happening. Do you want to elaborate more? Yeah, we drank a lot that night, so I don't know how yeah, much I you want me to long. say. <laughs> The truth comes out. <laughs> I'm
3: hesitating
0: here. That was a fun night, but anyway, um, no, I yeah. uh, here I am at at a reunion, and I, I think we. How many people do you think were there? It's like
3: over a hundred.
0: Well,
1: yeah, it was like in a bar. I mean, it was. I was kind of upset because I. It was at a bar and it was very loud, so no one could really hear each other. It was dark, and she was sort of. It was dark, and she was standing there by herself. Yeah, and I had to walk. I walked up to her and I had to say, "Hi, do you remember me? I'm Heather." You know, and and we had this conversation, but it was, you know, people. Other people walked up to her
0: and started talking to her, and she'd be like, "Who are you?" Like, you know. Yeah, I I I had to ask people who they were.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Um. And what was that like for you? It was frustrating. Um, here I am at a at a high school reunion of people that I want to see. Yeah. I I I I <laughs> I basically got around it by like I I hit a lot more guys that were my friends in high school. So I referred to it as I hit I hit some hot guys walking me around <laughs> people all night long. I love the reframe. <laughs> I'd go out, like, and I would remember where they were because they were always on my periphery, and I'm like, I walk up to one of them because I remember I was kind of what their outfit was. And I'm like, where's, and I tell them who I was looking for, and then they look, and like, hang on, they're over, and I'm like, like, where? They're pointing, and I'm like, I can't see, and they're like, hang on, and they, like, walk me over there. <laughs> But it was, it was kind of fun. That's, that's how the whole night went. And then uh, I was standing there by myself when Heather came up to me.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, since then you just sort of described yourself in a nutshell in ways, you're always finding ways to do things. You've you've been finding new ways since this happened. You find new ways. One of the most hilarious conversations, Sarah, that we ever had is she called me one day and she said, guess what my brother's buying me for Christmas? <laughs> I said, what? She likes to play with copper a lot and she does like, you'll see um, she has these really cool like embossed copper earrings and she does patinas and stuff. She's like, yeah, he's buying me a blowtorch. And I said, yeah, you know what I'm buying you? (laughs) Fire
3: extinguisher
1: (laughs) She doesn't let it get her down, you know? She's she's like, yeah, I'm going to use acid in blowtorches. I'm going to you know she's just she finds a way yes so the other the other hard no is she just she's just so resilient and she this is what inspires me every day she just doesn't take no for any answer you know
0: my other hard no is saying no to obstacles
1: yeah yeah she's just bound and determined
0: yeah uh you just gotta figure out new ways like i used to be an avid uh mm-hmm. reader i used to love reading books I can't even today I can't read a book. I can't pick it up it would it would take me just to read one page all day. Um So I discovered audiobooks and that's how I I connect with my books now.
2: One of my favorite books is Everything is Figureoutable by Um, Marie Forleo, I'm not sure if you've heard it, but like, Mm -hmm. so often, and I love what I'm hearing you say, Jennifer, because you're so innovative. And you're kind of like, I'm going to keep doing I'm going to keep dreaming. I'm going to keep doing the things that I want to do. And maybe technically because of this label, quote unquote, that I've been given of being legally blind, maybe that would be a stopping point for some people. But that's not my story. I'm going to figure it out.
0: Exactly. Um, I kind of decided uh, five months after this happened to me when I had that epiphany, that I wasn't going to be that person just laying there accepting it. I wasn't going to be that. And I was going to do what I could to strive to find new ways of doing things so that I could live. I knew that I wouldn't be happy if I wasn't creative. I knew I needed uh, an outlet creatively as an artist. Um, I also knew I had to figure out a new way to support myself and my son. Now now I'm supporting him. He's at Ohio State. I got a kid in college, so I, I got to. Congratulations.
3: Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can't give up. Uh, I was throwing a curveball.
0: I don't want that curveball to define me. So I didn't give up, and I kept striving, kept trying, kept working at it. Uh, A lot of times, the things that I try fail. Uh, It's hard sometimes. But I get through it. So
1: not only is she getting through it, but she's thriving. So, Jen, I'm going to brag on you a little bit. So, Jen recently won one of five small business grants from Amazon Handmade. And that was that was quite a process where we nominated her and she was one of 15 finalists and the public voted and she was one of five people to get this, this small business grant. So now she's going to be able to take her business to the next level and we're devising all kinds of plans. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and so so not only is she on Etsy, she's also on Amazon. So people, you can look for her as Highspire Designs in both places. Yeah, and then um, at, later this month in the December issue, she will be featured in Cleveland Magazine, which is pretty exciting. I have to
0: say, so getting choked up again. Um, I know. I'm actually. Sure. I'm really excited about that one. Yeah,
3: we should. Be. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm excited about all of it, but um, yeah, winning Amazon Handmade. Uh, actually, Heather's the one who told me I won. I had no idea I won. Um, oh, can I tell them that conversation? Yes, that, it'll be quick. So she went to a psychic,
1: and she kept trying to tell me about this. This I went to a psychic. You've got to hear what 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 happened. And so I called her. And she said, so this I walked into the psychic and she she told me I was gonna win. And so I let her go on for a little bit. And I was like, so she told you you were gonna win, huh? Well, well, she was right because you won. <laughs> that was that was, she was like, What? What? Wow. <laughs> so that was that was pretty pretty fun phone call to make. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a
3: wait,
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things are definitely getting kind of crazy. Uh Etsy's going really, really well. I'm I'm just so blessed. Um, I I can't believe my uh, neurologist, who is a wonderful woman, she said, if I would have asked you five years ago, if you would be this busy today, would you believe me? And I said, absolutely not. Mm. Not at all. She said, you know, you're amazing. You are amazing. You are. And uh, I don't think I'm amazing. I just view it as I am doing what I need to do
3: Mm. to be
0: me. I'm just me.
2: And when you live your truth and when you live what sets your soul on fire and makes you feel your best,
1: that's when you're truly living.
0: I think you're absolutely right. Well, I think
1: that was a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> um, Jen, let's tell people where they can find you. So we mentioned you're on Etsy and on Amazon as iSpire Designs. And if they just go to iSpireDesigns.com right now, it'll just point you to Etsy. Correct. Um, and, and you have a special offer for our
0: listeners. I do. I am giving all of the listeners twenty percent off.
3: Christmas is coming. <laughs> you can get the earrings. Christmas is coming, yeah.
0: <laughs> but you're going to have to use a promo code. Ready to write it down? It's hard no twenty. So hard no, two zero, and you get twenty
1: percent off anything in her stores. Yay! Thank you, Jen. <laughs> you're welcome. And they can also find you on Instagram, so your iAspire underscore designs, mm-hmm. and then on
0: Facebook, it's iAspire Designs as one word. Yeah, if you yeah if if you go into Google and Google iAspire Designs, oh, I think a lot comes up for me now. Yeah, well, all that stuff comes up. It's kind of scary. <laughs> I am Google. You could find me. It's weird, googling <laughs> my my company name and seeing all the things that come up instead of just one line. It's, it's kind of fun. Oh, are you holding up your phone? Yeah,
1: you're, Sarah's holding up her phone. So, You've got um, a new follower. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: well,
1: thank you for offering that to our listeners. I know I'll be taking advantage of it for Christmas, um, as I do every year. <laughs> I, Absolutely. I, I shop her store every year. Um, so... Jen, if you, I'm going to ask Sarah's question that she started with all our guests. Our okay. If you had one key takeaway, one golden nugget of advice that you would give our listeners,
0: what would it be? Uh, one golden nugget of advice.
1: Or amethyst nugget. An amethyst nugget in your case. Don't give us
3: the call. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my, my, my amethyst nugget. Uh, of advice, yeah, definitely not a lump of coal. Um, I would have to say, you know, no matter what obstacles you're facing, no matter what is thrown your way, don't give up. Never stop trying. Never stop uh Finding new ways if there's an obstacle. Because the only limitation that you have is yourself. So don't give up. Well said,
1: my friend. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome, Heather. Love you,
2: girlfriend. Love you too. Thank you so much for spending the evening with us. Thank
1: you.
0: This has been fun.
1: Special thanks to Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast, who inspired and challenged us to start this podcast and helped us produce our first episode. Thanks
2: also to our families and friends for all their encouragement and support, and to you, our listeners, for joining us on this adventure. That's
1: a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness logo
2: design by Angela Giaco of A Pink Sunset. You can find her at apinksunset.com.
1: Music by Gigi Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life.
2: So do it. Find your no, then say it unapologetically.
1: That's a hard no.